0: Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamey, on the Jay Mamey Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone. Good morning to the Jay Mamey Talk Show. This is Jay Mamey, and I am thrilled that you are joining us today for another hour of Thrive Time. I got to tell you something, folks. I'm happy. I'm feeling pretty good today. I don't know about you, but today's going to be an amazing day. How could I not be happy with the show that we've got lined up for you this morning? I mean, talk about Thrive content. This content today will impact you, influence you, inspire, and instruct you. We've got that for you today. But before I announce my guest, make sure that you take time to visit my talk show site, the com is where you're going to find all of my prior episodes All beautifully archived for your listening pleasure, (laughs) for your binging pleasure. And by the way, make sure that you check out my regular site, thejmamey.com, thejmamey.com. You're going to find all of my platforms there. You're going to find my books, my vlogs, my blogs, all of my upcoming projects, and many different things that I've got on the pipeline, in the pipeline rather, for your Thrive contented material and activity-driven information. But today's show is going to be fantastic, guys, and for those of you that are visiting the show for the very first time, let me just let you know, you've come at the right place at the right time, because today's content is going to be incredible, and for those of you that are visiting our show, once again, I want to thank you for coming back and listening again to our program. We are so appreciative of the listening audience and what you are continuing to do in sharing this program with others as our audience continues to grow, not only locally here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but nationally and internationally as well so we welcome all of you that are listening today as recurring listeners or first-timers now my guests today include one of the most recognized faces on TV and film over the last three decades The multi-talented and extraordinarily gifted Rolanda Watts will be with us shortly, and she's got great things to share with us today. But we will also be speaking with the founder and former president of the international 10,000-plus member strong Latina organization, Las Comadres para las Americas. Nora Comstock will be joining us a little later on in the show. But opening our show is the kind of inspiring story that I believe can help anyone who's ever faced a serious challenge, let alone a health care crisis like cancer. New author of the book, My Crowded Solitary Journey, Bob Nainstadt, joins me today to discuss his new book. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. Bob, before we dive into your book and the purpose of writing it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, I actually grew up as a pretty normal uh, middle-class family, uh, one sister, both parents, of course, and dad was in the Air Force, so we, we moved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but but some, and uh, I got a, a thirst for school and, of course, uh Got to the age where I needed to go to college, so I did that. I started in Southern California and then moved up to Northern California and went to two years of uh, college there, and it was uh, February 1968, and I received a letter from our great president then, who invited me to join the Army. <laughs> <laughs> what a and, great invite. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. And uh, so I- instead of joining the Army, I actually joined the Air Force because I knew a little bit about that already through mm-hmm. my father. Mm-hmm. And I served in the intelligence gathering uh, community there for three and a half years and uh, then exited that and uh, moved back to California and uh, uh, started my career.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Now, you career in, when you moved to California, where did you start your career in?
1: Well, I actually went into the car business. Oh, really? Yeah, and and believe it or not, I I still love the car business because Mm -hmm. I've always loved cars Mm -hmm. and uh, always tinkered with cars, worked on cars my whole life and uh, went to work as a parts manager for a Volkswagen dealership and uh, I got really tired of California. It it was going in a direction then that I, I wasn't satisfied with, so we moved to Wyoming, went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Wow. And uh, lived there for three and a half years, and I worked in the car business there, and then also for Jackson Hole Ski Corporation, uh, working on their aerial tram, and uh, got the the bug to be a gospel minister. All right. You you never know what God will do with your life. That's right. And what thoughts he puts in there for you.
0: That's right, brother.
1: And so we moved down to Dallas and went to preaching school here and then preached for a church in Central Texas for seven and a half years.
0: Excellent. So you come up with this, uh, you write this book that has an interesting journey, uh, an interesting title rather, My Crowded Solitary Journey. I'd like to know the meaning behind that, but before we get to that, what inspired you to write the book?
1: Well, I, I just, I had something in me that just wanted to write a book, but I could never think think of something to write about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's been so much written about through the years uh, that what do I write about that's new and different? And I didn't want to just write a book just to say I wrote a book. I thought that was just useless. So this cancer situation came across along in my life. And I thought, you know, I could write about my experiences and relate those to everyday life and help other people get through the same situation.
0: That's wonderful. There's so many people today that struggle with not only cancer, but other healthcare crises. Right. That uh, these words of encouragement can give them what they need in order to keep pushing for one more day. Right. To keep pushing through because there is light at the end of the tunnel. But what's the meaning of the title? That's a very interesting title. What's the uh, what's the meaning behind it? As you thought about what to title your book. Well, we go through life
1: uh, uh, surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. We have family uh, around us. We have friends around us. We have uh, church family around us. Uh, we're surrounded by people at work. We're surrounded by customers in business. We're constantly in contact with people. So it's a crowded world. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, just look at the highways right. <laughs> when you drive every day. And But I realized, you know, even though this is such a crowded world, I have to live it myself. Other people can't live it for me. I'm, I'm here by myself and I rely on them for many things and they're very encouraging, but I still have to have my own faith and I have to have my own experiences in life and no one can take those away from me. I must experience those myself. And so I wanted to help people get through that
0: solitary walk, even though they're in a crowded world. That's excellent. Brilliant. That's a brilliant point of view, by the way. Tell us a little bit about your your cancer challenge. Uh it it was mental, physical,
1: uh, spiritual—any mm-hmm. <laughs> way you want to to think about it. It was a challenge. Uh, the physical challenge, of course, was was devastating on my body. Uh, the cancer never really caused me uh, side effects. I, I never felt much from the cancer. What really bothered me was the treatment of the mm. cancer. That that almost did me in, mm. and I had uh, surgery, I had radiation, and I had chemo uh, wow. therapy as well. And uh, the chemo and radiation were at the same time, and those just devastate you physically. and And then you start to wonder, am I going to get through this? Mm. Because the way you feel, you just you have no energy. Uh, You're totally uh, listless in every way, and you just have to force yourself
0: to go through life every day. What's the purpose, or what is it that you would want the reader to know about your journey? Because there are so many who travel the same journey you've traveled on. What do you want the reader to know about your journey?
1: I want the reader to know that they don't have to be alone. Even though they're suffering themselves alone, they don't have to be alone. There are people there to help them through this, and not just physical people here on this earth, but God is there to help them, and that's who we have to ultimately rely on. Ultimately uh, rely on. In First Corinthians chapter seven, it says that God is the God of comfort and the God of compassion. He wants to comfort us and com- and give us compassion. He doesn't want to punish us for something. He's not this old man in the sky Mm -hmm. with a bad disposition. That's right. That's right. He's he's a totally loving God. He wants to treat us fairly and honestly, but what he wants from us is to
0: love him in return. So, what could uh, the reader, um, what could they benefit in terms of a message that you want to deliver through your book? The message really is, uh, is that you've got to
1: get your your relationship with God in the right perspective. Mm -hmm. You've got to be on his side. And uh, because you never know what is going to happen. You might might make it through your disease just fine, uh, like I did, or you may not. And so you've got to be ready to meet him at any time. Because we just just never know. We could be walking across the street and hit by
0: a bus. That's right. Now, I often tell people that you hear the old montage uh, or the saying... You're not promised tomorrow, but heck, you're not promised today. Right, exactly. Right? And you need to get all your affairs in order, your financial affairs, your spiritual yep. affairs, your emotional, your relationship affairs. You have to have these things in order because on any given day, it could be your last day. Oh, yes, exactly. Isn't that true? Y- so you just don't know. You, you just don't know. Bob, in and, and our last minute or two here, what did, you, uh, what did your confrontation with cancer teach you about life and yourself that you had yet to learn? Well, you know,
1: uh, when you live that as many years as I have as a Christian, I'm uh, 73 years old now, but uh, you think you've got it all together, Mm. and you think you're serving God the best that you possibly can and that you've given yourself to him, Uh, but you find out when something hits you like this that uh, you just haven't got it all together. You're not in control of things God is ultimately in cor- control because you can't control this disease that's right all you can do is you know hope the doctors can treat it but God gives real healing and so you have to uh, uh, be able to give yourself to God and I found out that I hadn't given myself completely to God.
0: Bob we really appreciate you being on the show. you've got quite a story quite a history and people are going to really enjoy reading your book which is now available as an ebook on Amazon. So, folks, go out and pick up the copy of Bob's new book, "My Solitary, My Crowded Solitary Journey," and be inspired by his story of victory, not only over cancer but also what he's learned from it that has been able to enhance and empower his spiritual walk as well. Bob, we appreciate being on the show. Thank you very much, Jay. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hey DFW friends, if you're looking to get minor painting done around the house this spring or have your whole house painted, then you need to call my friend Damien Declerc. He's been in the painting industry for 20 years and his company, Pro Painting, is the future of the painting industry. They do detailed, itemized quoting so that you know the price is right. So whether the job is big or small, you can trust Pro Painting to get the job done right. At Pro Painting, they take the pain out of painting visit him at dfwpropainting.com. Former Air Force veteran and new author Victor C. Samuel has written a book, Lost Brothers, to empower and encourage others on how to overcome difficult roadblocks and mental health issues. His own personal story of triumph can be experienced by anyone seeking that type of personal victory. Make sure to pick up your signed copy today of Lost Brothers. You can purchase it at victorsamwell.com.
2: If you drive a car, truck, SUV or vehicle of any kind, you need GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. That's right. With the free GetUpside gas app, you can get up to 25 cents a gallon cash back every time you buy gas. Nearly 3 million people have earned cash back with GetUpside just for buying gas.
3: I always use GetUpside. Some months I make $200 to $300. I love getting money back for things I use every day. It's just free money for buying gas.
2: There's no
4: catch. It's simple. And you get your cash back right away.
2: Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code TOOL for a 25 cent per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e gift card for Amazon and other brands. Earn cash back on gas on every fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOOL for a 25 cent per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code TOOL.
0: Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie. Talk show on the line right now. We've got the guest that I introduced earlier on in our first segment. Rolanda Watts is not only a well-known actress, but she's a producer. She's a voiceover artist. She's a novelist, a motivational speaker, a television and radio talk show host. She's actually best known in some sense for hosting the Rolanda show, which I used to watch back in the mid nineties. It was an internationally syndicated talk show. And it was right up there with all the other high ranked talk shows of the time and to be quite honest, if I went through all her TV and film credits, the show would be halfway over because <laughs> she's got so much to her name and she's a popular person. And we actually connected not too long ago. And, and it's like a sister uh, that I've long lost, but that we reconnected. So I'm happy that she's was uh, grateful enough to be on the show today. So we're excited to have Rolanda Watts on the show. Rolanda, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, Jay. It's a joy to be here. Thank
0: you so much. Hey, you are very, very welcome. Before we dive into all the goodness that we've got to talk about today, uh, I'd like for our listeners, because Rolanda, we have listeners not only that are here US-based, but we have listeners, uh, an audience that's all over the the world. So there's folks obviously here that know Rolanda Watts' story, but there's folks that are listening that don't know your story. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story as we dive into the rest of the segment.
4: Okay. What would you like to know?
0: I'd like to know early on uh, a little bit about your, your growing up. I know you grew up, your parents were academics. And so you had a strong foundational home and, and that sort of drove you into a career of journalism and so on and so forth. And then obviously into entertainment. So if you could share with us a little bit about that early start, what inspired you early on uh, to, to make the choices you made in, in the direction that you eventually uh, fell yourself into?
4: Yeah, I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, a little kid in the country like everybody else playing in the creeks and all of that. But I always had an insatiable curiosity. I talked a lot. I was speaking in complete sentences at 11 months. Oh. I was reading at three. And I was just very social, just very, very in in to talking to people. And, I, you know, and I can remember I would line up all of my— stuffed toys in my room and I would be teaching them. And my mother laughs, laughs and says, you know what? Later, that would be your talk show audience. <laughs> 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 you know? I used to talk so much. My dad would give me a tape recorder and say, "Go in your room and tell the story to the tape recorder. Make up the sound effects, make up the voices, and then after dinner, we'll sit down and you could play it for us." <laughs> and I sit and I look at my life today, and that's exactly what I do. I go in a little room, I make up voices on a microphone, <laughs> and uh, and and tell stories. And that's really what it is. I think. Um, my parents, yes, were academia. I, we came from a family that founded colleges, Bennett College, uh, helped my a great, great, great relative, helped found Bennett College. Wow. Uh, my father was a fine artist, uh, one of the best woodcutters, acclaimed as one of the best woodcutters in the United States, and also was the chairman of the fine arts department at Winston-Salem State University. My mother was an associate, or is, an, well, she's retired now. Uh, is an associate was an associate dean at Bowman Gray School of Medicine, the medical school for Wake Forest, and there's an endowment in her name. So, my everybody in my family were academia. Um, yeah, the education was very very important. That was highly stressed. It wasn't about whether you were going to college. It was what college you were going to. Mm. And um, I had gone to an all-girls high school, and I was only black in the high school. And my mother was like, no, you're going to an HBCU, a historically black college or university. And so I left there and then went to Spelman College. Um, and then after Spelman, I you know, took so many internships. I took an internship in radio. I took an internship at a newspaper. I took an internship. I took so many internships, Jay, that... I would negotiate for credit for my internships, three Mm. points, you know, and I looked up one day and I said, you know something, you've accumulated enough points. You can graduate a year early. Wow. And I, and I said, I'm going to New York. I always wanted to be an actor. I uh, studied ever since I was 12 years old and saw guys and dolls on Broadway I started wearing a subway token around my neck saying I'm going to New York and I'm going to be an actor. Mm. And, of course, my, my mother was like, yeah, you'll be waiting tables. You are not going to be an actor. You better have a backup plan. So I majored in theater arts and English and – um When those three years were up, I hightailed it to New York. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I figured if I was in school, my parents would leave me alone. So I applied to this little school called Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism. (laughs) That's a small school. Yeah, hardly known. Hardly ever known. I I had no idea what Columbia University was. I just knew I could write, and that was my ticket to New York. So I got into Columbia. (laughs) <laughs> this is the craziest story. I remember telling my father, daddy, I'm only here to audition for Broadway. And once I get my big role, I'm quitting this graduate school thing. And I remember back then when people could smoke in a restaurant, my dad was smoking, and he, I have never seen him pull on a on a cigarette that hard, his jaws in caves. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he, was, he said, well, good luck, little girl. I went to one casting call, and I said, no way. The whole line wrapped around the the building. Mm-hmm. And they treated us like cattle when we got in there.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: I said, there's no way. I'll be back when y'all know my name. And I went back up there to Columbia, fell in love with journalism, and it kicked off a marvelous career. Um, you know, I went back to North Carolina, started my career, then was picked up in New Jersey, New Jersey Nightly News, the first duo woman anchor team in the country. That was back in the early 80s. Then I went on to work for WNBC, WABC, Eyewitness News, where I was an investigative news reporter, producer, and anchorwoman. Then left there and... um did a little show called Attitudes on Lifetime Television. Remember, this was back when there were only three networks. That's right. And, and one little one coming up, two little ones coming up. We used to call them the little networks, Lifetime and Fox. Fox. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. and, uh, it, was the, it was the other network. That's what we called it, the mm-hmm. other network. And Lifetime was the little network. But anyway, uh, I got uh, my talk show start on Lifetime. And it was fascinating because it was all women, and women were coming out then. And um, then after that, I went to Inside Edition and uh, then was weekend anchor working with Bill O'Reilly back in the day and uh, producer and traveled the world covering stories and then got an offer I couldn't refuse. Roger King of King World, who had founded Oprah and Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Inside Edition said he wanted me to do a talk show and I balked at the idea for for years but this time he needed a a favor from a friend because he was producing another show that wasn't doing well and he wanted me to come in I'm known for I have Emmy nominations for live television coverage so uh, back in the day when that was really something cool you know (laughs) Uh, now everybody goes live but um so he, he knew I could go in and do a talk show. We didn't even have a pilot for the talk show. That's how quickly he needed me in there. Wow. I was doing Inside Edition. I would finish anchoring the news, get up, take off the microphone, and walk across the hall to a studio and do and try to make up a show. So we, we made up the show. We had no idea what we were going to do. I think the Rolanda show was about eight different shows as we found our voice. But we lasted for four wonderful years, and then when – the show, uh, we went through the 90s, the craziness of the talk show era, mm-hmm. which was a little too much for me to deal with. People throwing chairs and spitting on people and fights breaking out. And I knew it was time to go and do something else when they started putting up uh, one of those things you walk through and check for weapons. When they put that in my studio, I knew, okay, this is this is not where I belong. This is not where I'm going to do my gifts. And so I decided to um, not continue the show. And we... I left New York and came to L.A. to tell stories in a different way and to not forget the little girl who wore that subway token who wanted to be an actor. And I came out here. I was 38 years old. I was black. I was a woman. Those were the three strikes against you in Hollywood at the time. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, there's no way. Are you out of your mind? You're leaving a syndicated show to go and act in Hollywood at 38. Are you nuts? And you know sometimes in life we ask ourselves what's going to happen if i do this what's going to happen if i i ask myself what's going to happen if i don't do this mm-hmm. and that's not a good prospect that's not a good look i want my life to end by saying listen she's all used up she did everything she wanted to do she did it her way she did it and brought brought light and good positive energy to this craft or this area or this room or this person or whatever, but she lived her life on her terms and, and doing the things that she wanted to do. So yes, that's risk-taking. Yes. That's tons of reinvention. In fact, they call me the reinventionist, but I think when you're pushed up against the wall because life changes or you change, um, you gotta be ready to make the move. You gotta be ready to just do it. And I think, uh, It has served me well. 25 years later, I have worked for myself every single day of those 25 years. I have acted in maybe, gosh, more than 10 movies for sure. Uh, I wrote a book, produced some movies, uh, started a podcast. I mean, it's just been a, a, a wonderful way to express storytelling in a whole different arena. You know, of all the things that I do, it's still that old storytelling from the South, mm-hmm. sitting on the porch, talking to daddy, telling him stories. It's still storytelling. And um, that's what I love to do. And I, whether it's stand-up comedy or it's a talk show or the podcast or it's speaking or voice acting, it's all storytelling. You know, I'm doing the audio part for my book, mm-hmm. still storytelling, all of it. So it's – it's. uh that's my story. I'm sticking
0: with it. Well, that's a good story and I'm buying it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, you yeah. said
0: you said so much gold in there that I want to just dissect it a little bit because I think that in every change or every pivot that you had, there's a story behind it. And there's a thought behind it. And there was a, a drive behind it. But you left uh you, you really could have stayed in the talk show arena and you're right, the nineties got crazy with the Jerry Springers and, and all of these um interesting shows that had these characters come on and people wanted more and more and more of it. And we're going to talk a little bit about knowing who you are and who you're not as you're developing your identity and your brand. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But you realized at that moment that that's just not you. But you could have stayed there knowing that your success was growing. You could have sort of acquiesced to what the the audience was demanding at the time and possibly lost your identity and made a lot of money. You could have done that, but you decided this is not where I'm going. This is not direction okay. I want to go in. And you went to Hollywood, which you're right. Back in those days, you had the three strikes working against you. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you were told that by your agent, by a number of people. They told you, why are you going to be, why are you taking such a big risk? But you did. What went through your mind? What's, what kind of self-confidence did you have to say, yeah, I know the naysayers are telling me one thing, but I'm going for it. Well, if you can recall that, what were those, those driving factors That motivated you to still keep going even though probably the rest of the world was saying you're crazy
4: well I had to to make it I had to do something outrageous and it had to work Um, and I didn't have any other burning desire that would make me put up with the crap I was about to put up with except to choose something I've always wanted to do and something I would put up with some crap just to do it just to be able to do it and my acting and writing was a part of that. Um, I uh, I think that when the pupil is ready, God sends the teacher. That's right. And I believe that this is a friendly universe, and the universe wants you to win. Mm-hmm. God doesn't give you all these toys and the batteries to go with it unless he wants you to play. And so, and and what is that Shakespeare says? The play is the thing. So do your work and have fun doing it. What can you do and whistle while you work? Because work is work. That's why they call it work. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to put up with crap. But you have to remember, crap makes gardens grow. There's not one gorgeous rose garden out there that doesn't have a whole boatload of crap in it. So you're going to have to put up with that. So what are you going to do that you love enough to put up with what you got to put up to have it? And. Those things, working for myself, doing the hustle, hitting in the streets. Yeah, I'm Rolanda Watts with an internationally syndicated talk show. But Hollywood didn't give a crap about that. You get out there and audition like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You go to the classes like everybody else. You study Meisner and Uta Hagen and do your your act, your your acting, and show up and you know not make money and then make money and then get known and then the tide change. I mean, this is what the business is about. But I tell you what, it's, it's, the, it's the greatest business in the world, and if you get it, you get it right. What had happened with me was I had really preyed on it because it was not a popular decision to just up and leave a talk show. But I had, uh, I had a, a couple come on my show, and the, and the man said, well, I have a secret to tell you. And she said, okay. He, he said, well, I'm having an affair on you. And so the girl, look, you know, because these were popular shows back then. i looked at the, the girl, looked at him. And she said, well, let me tell you something. I'm having an affair on you. <laughs> so the boy jumped up and the security was backing everybody up. He jumped up and he reeled back, Jay, and pulled up this hawk, hurled this hawk out of the back of his throat and spit on this woman. And I said, stop it right now. This is it. Stop it. I wouldn't even finish the show because I was afraid they would air it. Um, That's when it changed. There is no way in the world a woman is going to come into what I call my home and get spit on by a man in front of me. And that's just not going to happen. And then the security was holding me back because I was going to attack the guy. And it was just like, you know, this is this is not me. This is not what my gifts as a journalist are going to be used for. I mean, I could make a lot of money and still be there, but I'd have no respect from the people mm-hmm. who follow me.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, none. My, I can't even imagine what my colleges and universities would think. I can't imagine what my parents and ancestors would think. And that's not the way I'm going to use my God-given gifts. I don't care how much money. Not all money's good money. Blood money ain't good money. That's right. And I, and you know we and we're dealing with blood money back. You remember the Jenny Jones era, right d- during that era. We, the young man was murdered over some, some ratings pulling show that she did. I mean, no, that, that's not who I am. I'm not doing that. And, you know, so, you know, i and, and look, every time I've told that story, there's always somebody in the crowd, Jay, who goes, I'd have taken that money. I'll sell myself out anyway. Well, there are people all over TV that, and, the, and the Internet. You can see doing that every single day. That's right. Yeah, y'all are you're out there. Go to do it. Take my money. You can have it. But I'm not that person. And I think that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, fortunately, my partner, Roger King, agreed. I mean, he at that time, black women in particular were getting so disrespected on television um, it, it, and in talk, which is daytime for women. And I just, no way, I could not, no, no, no. So I just said, I'll come back when when the air clears. And in the meantime, I found 50 million other beautiful things to do, wonderful, wonderful things to do. And to this day, I'm still, you know, back then, talk about branding, there was Ro, Rolanda, Madonna, and Cher, the only three people known by one name. And so branding started very early for me. And you have to be very clear about what your brand is.
0: Rolanda, I want to take a pause because what you're about to get into now is what I want our listeners to learn more about in our second segment. So we'll be right back after the break. Hey everyone, Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to visit my merchandise store. You can find it at jmamie.com. A number of my inspirational, thought provoking, action stoking phrases and quotes that have been so much in demand over the last four or five years now are available in print. You can print them on your favorite coffee mug, print them on a poster. Take my thrive-minded content with you wherever you go. Visit my store at thejmamey.com. In his book, The Cadence of Excellence, author and top sales leadership coach and advisor in the world of business-to-business sales, my recent guest, Matt McDarby, uses real-life examples to highlight how to make better leadership and training decisions today that will have a huge impact on you and the people that you lead. The Cadence of Excellence and his new book, The Ultimate Differentiator, are both available now on Amazon.
2: We celebrate the men and women who serve our country as members of the armed forces. The armed forces protect our nation, but they couldn't do that if they were not armed. But we trust our armed forces because they are highly disciplined, highly responsible, and highly trained. I'm Tim Schmidt, founder of the United States Concealed Carry Association, a quiet organization of gun owners who are highly disciplined, highly responsible, and highly trained. USCCA, the responsible gun owners, USCCA.com.
3: If you're worried about your hard-earned dollars becoming worthless or your 401k or IRA losing value, now is the time to move into gold. No, not gold or silver stocks, but real gold and silver you can actually hold in your hands. How do you get real gold and silver? By calling Oxford Gold today at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group will teach you everything you need to know about owning real gold and silver. It's a lot easier than you think. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD to get your free gold and silver investment guide. Put your savings and retirement accounts into something real, like gold and silver. Get your free Oxford Gold Group Investment Guide today and learn how easy it is to have real gold and silver delivered to your home or how you can have real gold and silver in your retirement account. Don't sit back and watch your savings and retirement accounts suffer. Now is the time to make your money work as hard for you as you did for your money. So do this. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now, today, 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie.
0: Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We're having a fantastic conversation with Rolanda Watts, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. Rolanda, how important, and we started to talk about this a little bit, but how important is first knowing who you are and who you are not as you begin to develop your identity and your brand?
4: Well, it's it's extremely important because that's the foundation of everything you're going to launch. Everything, I mean, even from, I mean, what is that? To thine own self be true. Uh, I think that when you're an entrepreneur in particular and your entrepreneurialism is based upon your your uh, brand, it's everything. Now, that's just my particular thing. I just think that a brand should be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it should co- really connect with you in a positive way, and it should be consistent throughout um, and represent the values that your customer or whoever, your listener, whoever it is that your uh, your audience or customers are, it has to resonate with them in terms of their values. I don't want to get into morality, but values is very important. Um, I think that I would, I you know, say what you want about my brand. It is what it is. It's Rolanda. It's really just based on me and all the stuff I do. But it, there's a consistency there. You know, 40 years behind the mic and in front of the camera, I'm pretty much the same person no matter what I do or where I go. I go. And I think people know where my boundaries are. That doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it certainly does mean I at least have a plan. And... <laughs> And I stand by that. I, and I have to say, I think uh, um, I got a lot, of, a lot of respect for making the decisions that I've made. That don't, if, it, if it's not part of my brand or part of what I'm doing or part of my whole message, then I don't deal with it. It's just not, not going to dilute what I'm trying to do in terms of my brand. And I think you have to be very particular about that. I mean you look at the great brands McDonald's and Wells Fargo. I mean, look at what, what what did they do to maintain consistency and respect and integrity? Integrity everything. Mm-hmm. I think integrity when it comes to relationships, you know, whether it's personal or business, integrity is everything, y'all. That's just it. And and I think that when you have integrity to your own self first. Mm-hmm. then you can serve the world in a much better way. But you have to be true to yourself. You know, if I stand up and defend myself, I'll, just like I stand up and defend people on my set, or I stand up and defend people in my stories and journalism, or, or, or when I do when I put on my activism hat, I'm defending the the, the little guy who needs my help, you know. So I think, um, I know, it's just the way you walk in life and, and what you expect. to, to leave people. What, what do you want them to feel when you leave?
0: I love the answer. That whole answer is a mic drop. I'm looking for the little nuggets here. The, the, uh, the, the best phrase or the best response in the uh, response, that one liner. And I tell you the whole response was a mic drop, but I agree with you. One of the best compliments that I think a person can be given, uh, and hopefully it's in a positive way. But one of the best compliments a person could be given is that they're consistent. The same person that they saw you and met you as 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's the same person they're meeting with today. That's a great compliment. And uh, I, th- I find that when I'm told, hey, Jay, you're the, you're the same guy that I met 20 years ago in, in bodybuilding or 40 years ago in college, or 30 well, years hey. ago in college. I like that. I like them to know that, yeah, I'm this is me. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. This is who I am.
4: That's right. Take it or That's leave right. it. Right. Roger King, who did my, who was co-producing my my company and Roger's company, King World, produced the show, and and I just remember he used to tell people when we were selling that show to the stations, he would say, "What you see with Rolanda, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. This is no faking out. This is just who she is, hook, nook, or cranny." And it was doing that talk show really that. Roger encouraged me to be true to myself. I was like, I have this loud laugh and this country talk, and I sound so weird. He was like, well, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear the news reporter. I don't want that reporter stuff. I want the real Rolanda. And so I think that's what really helped is being in a business, um, you know, shoot, I'm in a business where we eat our young. But I happen to have worked with people who really nurtured me as a talent, saw gifts in me that I had not seen in myself. And, and and stood by me, you know. They stood by me when there was a tough decision to make. So I got to tell you that that's a that's a blessing. That's a real that's a real blessing.
0: Now let's talk about what the public sees and what the public doesn't know, uh, because the public sees success in any format, any forum, any industry. They see success much like an old western movie set. All the front but no back, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I love that analogy. <laughs> so what's the back that Thrive Seekers need to accept if climbing to the top is their intent, based on your experience?
4: Well, like I said, crap makes gardens grow. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think they, what you have to understand is there's so much waiting. There's, I mean, this is a... I mean, I am in Hollywood and this is a town and an industry of hurry up and wait, <laughs> and you're, you know, just hurry up and wait. And you're waiting. And it and it's and it is a place of, you know, they say the streets are paved with broken dreams. And, yeah, that's true. This is the biggest. I tell you, Hollywood is the biggest racket on Earth but it's our natural resource. America isn't known for wheat grain and oil. We're known for celebrities and movie stars and movies. That's what our big thing is. So, everybody wants to be in of course that top business. And it is a it's like the carrot in front of the horse and you you're here and you the next one is going to be the one, the next one's going to be the and there's a lot of waiting, there's a lot of disappointment, there's a lot of work, auditioning, working out, taking classes, and then you don't get the gig. And then something happens where you just happen to run into somebody who says, I was looking for you, and hands you a roll. Mm. And then it's like, it's just weird how things happen that way. So what I'm saying is, is a lot of waiting, there's a lot of disappointment, there's a lot of hard work, but there's also a lot of faith that comes into this type of thing. Um, You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your talent. You have to believe that the universe is going to meet you halfway, that the Mm. right people are going to show up at the right time. And if – you know, listen, you get a gig. It's not the one you wanted, but you have to believe that this gig is going to get me the one that's going to be even better than the one I wanted because I need the preparation for that greatness so you have to find a way to to get your mindset together mm-hmm. you know kobe bryant you know he faced all kinds of obstacles trying to get down that court but it was his mentality his mindset his mamba movement that all that stuff didn't matter he didn't get distracted by all of that he was up earlier than anybody he was there longer than anybody he was visualizing harder than anybody mm-hmm a lot of times you beat people out because you stayed in the game and didn't give up, you know, half of my competition, by the time I'm out here, they gonna you know, we're, we're so old. We, half of my competition is going to die off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> but, um, but no, it's just like, it's just, it, it can be, it can be nerve wracking. It really can, because, you know, somebody's girlfriend will get the job, and you, you know, just a lot of things don't make sense. But you just have to be true to yourself, and you also have to expand your potential. You have to be able to um, to expand your gifts, and that's where reinvention comes in. You know, what do you do while you're waiting? Yeah, you're going to be waiting a long time. We're all ladies and men and waiting out here and everywhere. But what do you do in the meantime while you're waiting? So, you start creating other gifts. Write that book, start that podcast, Uh, go interview your grandmother and get some family stories, do your genealogy, adopt some dogs, help some children, read Mm -hmm. at the hospital. You know, whatever you do, staying busy, I think, keeping the momentum so you don't get wrapped up in the doubt and the fear and the anxiety. But keep it moving, man. Just that's that's what life is about, keeping it moving. And nobody wants to hear you complaining anyway. Just get up and move and do something else. If you don't like it, change it and do something different. But I love don't, it. Yeah, don't don't give in to what <laughs> say not today. Satan, not today.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. Well, Rolanda, you have been an absolute. Amazing guest, a real treat on the show. We're definitely going to have you back because there's so much more for us to talk about that, uh, that we just ran out of time today. But I appreciate oh you being God. on the show.
4: Jay, I appreciate you, and you have to come on Rolanda On Demand, my podcast, and come and chit-chat with me. Send me the invite. (laughs) I sure will. Hey, listen, let me tell you this. You know, I'm a voice actor. I do League of Legends, Legos, Madagascar, divorce court, a bunch of things. But this, on Sunday, Beulah May May Donald on CNN, there's a show that they're doing a special called The People Versus the Klan, and it's the story of Beulah May Donald who who bankrupted the Klan for the lynching of her son. But they didn't have a lot of voice footage of her and asked me to come up with a voice for her. So you'll hear my voice as Beulah May Donald on the CNN special this weekend, uh, April 11th. And I hope you guys will tune into that. But thank you, Jay. I really do appreciate you.
0: Hey, I appreciate you. And we will put that information up on our site so that people can also know that you've got that going on you've got your voiceover uh business as well you've got your novel all that's going to be at our show site so people can track it all down
4: perfect thank you so much
0: thank you talk to you soon
4: okay bye. bye
0: folks we'll be right back after the break are you aware of how important nitric oxide is to promoting healthy circulation and arterial function at neogen life we're focused on providing products that support the idea of living longer and living better. Nitric oxide is an essential molecule that plays a vital role in supporting healthy blood flow by allowing oxygen to move freely to every part of your body. And NeoGen life's Neonox can help boost your body's natural supply of nitric oxide. For more information, visit our website at NeogenLife.com. Hey friends! Me and my wife, we really enjoy cooking great food. That's why I love Chef Gorgi's award-winning cookbook, Zing. It teaches us how to add boldness with ingredients like pomegranates and sumac and barberries, plus user-friendly recipes that use very little sugar or no sugar at all, flavorful ingredients, and simple techniques. It reveals the secrets of Chef Gorgi's signature new Mediterranean cuisine. The award-winning cookbook is available at ChefGorgi.com.
2: T A C L B e I'm Randy Kelly. If your A.C. clunks out, call the on-time experts and we'll arrive that same day. Guaranteed. If we don't, your repair will be free. Same day or it's free from TheOnTimeExperts.com.
6: Poor Sam was a mess. Always itching, licking.
3: His paws were soaking wet. He had bald spots on his back. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing
6: great improvements. And today, 99% of his issues are non-existent. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't
0: believe how happy your dog will be. I get my
6: Dynavite. From dot
2: com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome
0: back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, today, everyone.
2: Our Impact
0: Spotlight guest is the former president and the founder of Las Comadres para Las Americas organization. It's an international organization of 10,000 members that are Latinas. And she's done some incredible, amazing things for the Latina community. I wanted her to be our featured Impact Spotlight on the show today. So, Nora Comstock, welcome to the show.
6: I'm delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Nora, before we dive into your organization and what you've been able to accomplish, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
6: Well, I was born in Raymondville, Texas. I was a gift to my aunt and uncle who couldn't have children. Mm. So, my parents were brothers and sisters. My biological family had ten children, and those nine had a family bond while I was an only child for many years in the De family. So only children have a lot of advantages, but I was lonely, and I was greatly loved and showered with everything, but I believe that the loneliness that was in I was intrinsically aware of led me to to want to make a big family.
0: Wow. That's an amazing story right there. Uh, You sort of took that because that's an unusual story. But sometimes the unusual stories is what leads to inspiring ones. And obviously, you're a testimony of that. Uh, But you went on academically, achieved great things academically. And then you came up with the idea of starting this incredible organization uh, called Las Comadres. Why did you feel it necessary to start that organization? What actually inspired you to do it in the first place?
6: Well, actually, there were many comadres organizations around the country before this Las Comadres, and that's because Latinos were looking for each other. Mm. And so but, – but and they also didn't have the technology that I had. I was there at the right time and the right place, and I had a husband who was so supportive of this work. And so for me, it's a selfish reason. I missed my culture, my Mm. familia. I was married to a non-Latino, and our life as university students was basically culturally white. I was in Austin, Texas, finished my Ph.D. studies, but was so missing um, the Latino culture because there were so few Mexican-Americans attending the University of Texas, I needed connection. And very quickly, I found that I wasn't the only one that was doing that. Lots of other Latinas were missing connection. And... La Comadres was born.
0: So you, so the the inspiration of La Comadres was for a simple purpose: connection. Yes, right? yes. The need to connect. And yes. uh, boy, you know, sometimes the the greatest efforts, the biggest organizations, the biggest movements start with something so simple and common, but it attracts so many that are also looking for the very same thing. Uh, Big movements don't necessarily have to begin with big ideas. They could be something as simple as as connection and community. Would you agree to that?
6: Absolutely.
0: So what have you found is one of the greatest needs that Latinas have in today's culture?
6: It is still connection, believe it or not, Um, and support. And while we do this, we celebrate and preserve culture. What we do is we open doors for each other. We build community, and we share our social capital because we're still largely invisible. Mm. Unless you want to reference the bad stuff or low level of education or need for financial support, look at the roles we play in film and television. You know, it's it's crime. It's Mm -hmm. lack of farms, lack of schooling. As professionals, we're a vibrant, contributing community but we certainly don't get much attention. It's a one-off type of situation when one is successful. Look at the racial disparity, the social justice we're looking at. We're not being heard. We're still largely invisible.
0: And that, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because the, and I'm Latino. Right? I grew up in Latino community. I'm Puerto Rican. And oh,
6: I did not know that. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're so Latino. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I understand that, and, and I often have conversations with with my family my wife my brother about why is it that the the showcasing of latinas isn't uh hasn't gotten any better over the last 15 20 25 years because the showcasing is pretty much what you said uh, yeah. uh you know I, either not not in a favorable way put it that way okay yes. and not in a way that really highlights who they are and today with the progress they're making but where have you seen that latinas have made significant progress
6: Mostly in education, okay, in social work, nonprofit management, but also in finance. A number of Latinas have been treasurer of the United States, but also communications and law. And and really, many Latinas are now seeking public office as a possibility. But even in these fields, we're still largely invisible. You know, we all scour newsletters, media, et cetera, for Latino names. When we attend meetings, we look around for other Latinos in the room. We don't see many. So we need more visibility because, you know what, we're there. We just need more exposure. And Las Camadas helps us to provide that. I mean, it's, it's really a major challenge but a major opportunity for us to share the names and experiences of other Latinas and Latinos who are out there doing incredible things and are just invisible.
0: So over the 25 years that you were commandeering, right, you were the CEO, you were the president, <laughs> you were the, you were the, the comadre of the comadres, right? That's right. Uh, how has that personally uh, affected you having that 25-year experience in history with this organization?
6: Well, it's actually 21 years.
0: 21 years okay. But what
6: I've done is I've dedicated my life to it because it was a place where the need was so obvious to me. And I had the social capital to contribute and to utilize it as a place for others to contribute their social capital. And my husband so supported my work. But you know, Las Comadres is not about me. Las Comadres has succeeded because of the Comadres who make up the network. I've only been the glue that kind of keeps it all together. And I provided the technological connection which is key to the work we're doing. Without technology, we would still be in the stone age as far as building the support systems. And I have identified someone, and it took me close to 21 years, who is so much like me in passion and much better skilled at this than I am for our work. Her name is Maria Ferrer. She Mm -hmm. lives in New York City and she will succeed me as La Mera Mera. That's what they call me. And I call her the new glue. And pretty soon she will be um, leading our organization. I'm not going away, but I'm turning the reins over of the day to day management administration to a younger me.
0: That's wonderful. Uh, You know, it's, it's awesome to find someone who can follow in your footsteps that you feel comfortable and confident that they will do the job. And I know you've spoken about Maria before, and uh, I know she's going to do great things with the organization. But in our last minute here, I'm going to ask you two quick questions that I think are important before we wrap up the segment. What advice would you give a young Latina who was searching for identity and community? The first question. And uh, if people, if women wanted to learn more about this organization, where could they go to learn more about it as well?
6: All right. first, Find your people, find your tribe, You, but you also need to be a part of the melting pot. Don't give up your connection to the world, but make sure as a young Latina that you have your identity in its rightful place and cherish it because it is your base, your solid ground, your sacred ground. So do not lose your identity. Mm. And then for the 21 years, I'm the, um, let's see, I forgot. Oh, to join Las Comadres, it's lascomadres.com. And as you mentioned, we are celebrating our 21st year, and we have an event on Sunday, April the 17th, from noon to 3 p.m. Central Time. And if you go to lascomadres.com, you can register to become a comadre, and you also can register for the Worldwide Comadrazo. Wonderful. To be a comadre, um, you need to be Latina, non-Latina in relationship with a Latino or Latina, and also a mujer with a corazón Latino. That's
0: it. All right. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show, Nora. You are a gem and just a, uh, a wonderful person that we have as an ally in the Latino community. So thanks for being on the show.
6: Thank you for the time. Thank you for your questions. I loved them.
0: Folks, what a fantastic show we had today. I'm glad that you joined us for this impacting hour of Thrive content with our fabulous guests. Make sure you tune in next Sunday at 11 a.m. or catch the replay of today's show at our website. We look forward to having you again next week on the J. Mamie Talk Show.